0: So, Hebrews chapter 8, we've been talking about covenant, and today we're going to talk about why the new covenant is so much better than the old covenant. To understand the new covenant, we really need to understand the old covenant, and um, really to understand uh, all of the Bible, you need to understand covenants. And and probably after these few weeks when we're dealing in covenants, we will find When you read through, especially the epistles, you read through Romans and you read through Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, you'll see so much covenant language in there, uh, which we didn't, you didn't know. Even the expression in Christ is covenant language because in the old covenant, we are in Adam. Uh, Because we get our spiritual lineage from Adam. In the new covenant, we are in Christ. It's covenant language. all right. So Hebrews chapter 8, it's a bit of a chapter, but um, you're big boys and girls, we're not going to fall asleep. All right? Whole chapter, Pastor Grant, yep. So if you want to go and get a coffee now, that's time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, now the point of what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the mi- majesty in heaven, A minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all. If Jesus was earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests here who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, so that's the tabernacle that's in the wilderness, when he was about to rent the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ obtained a ministry which is so much more excellent than the old as the covenant which he mediates, the covenant which he uh, acts out on our behalf, is better since it's enacted on better promises. Yes. For if that first covenant had been were that, were being faultless, then we would have no occasion for a second covenant. For he finds fault with it, When he says behold the days are coming declares the Lord when I'll establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah and not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on that day when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt for they did not continue in my covenant and so i shown no concern for them declares the Lord For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my my laws in their minds and I will write them in their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. He's talking about us now. The law will be written in our hearts. He is our God. We are his people. They shall not teach each other, saying to each other, Know the Lord, for they all know him from the least to the greatest, and I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Remember means I will not bring up the sins of the past. I'll not call them up into my remembrance. Mm. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first covenant obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now. Just out of interest, this was written before 70 A.D., because around about 70 A.D., of course, the Romans sacked Jerusalem and, and uh, the temple came down and there were, has not been any uh, sacrifice offered on the temple since that time. But he's saying here that a covenant has a purpose and that the first covenant was only a type or shadow of what was to come. It wasn't, it's not fit for the purpose that, that, it, that it was designed for. Um, it fell short, be better. It, was, uh, it says without fault, it, it wasn't adequate. And uh, the, we understand, of course, covenants, all sorts of different covenants. God made a covenant with Adam and Eve, with Moses, uh, with Abraham, um, with, um, sorry with Abraham, with Moses and with David. And in many ways they're just like an update of the same covenant. Okay, you understand your legal proceedings. Sometimes you need to put a little appendix on it, right? And so, uh, for example, some many theologians believe it wasn't God's perfect will to even have the law. He just wanted people to trust God, like Abraham trust God. And when he wrote the law, then he had to adjust the covenant so that they had to make because they became aware of their sin and they had to have sacrifices. And then he made a covenant with David. Well, those of Bob Bible scholars amongst us will know that actually having a king was never the perfect will of God. That it was actually a, a um, God allowed it to happen. And so the covenant with David was an, adjust, an adjustment to the existing covenant that God had with Abraham. And of course we know true that they're blood covenants. The reason they're blood covenants is because they considered, and it's true, that life is in the blood. And what was happening in the covenant was that God was saying, I'm going to lay down everything I have belongs to you. My name, my authority, my possessions belong to you. Everything you have belongs to me. My name, your name, your position belongs to me. If any of you break it, what's happened to this bull is going to happen to you. And uh, that's pretty scary. So a a covenant needs to be fit for the purpose. We uh, witnessed a bit of a tragedy the last couple of weeks where um, that uh, submersible Titan was down looking for the the Titanic and it it imploded thousands of meters below the sea. And and in the wash of that all, we see some experts coming out. Apparently they were saying this before, but the Titan itself was not fit for the purpose. The submersible, and uh, you know, some experts were saying because it was built of carbon fibre, and it's just carbon fibre strands of, of uh, fibreglass, and it's and then it's uh, carbon is sealed, and and you can't tell when it's you know, one fibre begins to crack on one dive and a few more crack, and and then, but without going into the goriness of it, it was not fit for purpose. It had a limited life. And so the old covenant had a limited life, and we were talking about uh, on, on Wednesday night at Bible study, and, and the great theologian Carlos <laughs>
1: came
0: up with a very profound statement. I was telling Linda, Linda stayed home, and uh, and uh, he said, "I learned," he said something along these lines. Now correct me theologically if I get it wrong, and if you don't, I know Chrissy will.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> is that there's something like. You know, because there's something to benefit. You think, well, what would God benefit by going into covenant with us? I mean, we know what we benefit. I'm using my hands a bit more, you know, you were restraining. Me. <laughs> and, and that he said, well, well, we got his strength, his name, his provision. The Bible has what they call the covenant names of God, where God details in more in like Jehovah Rapha, uh, Rafiki, your healer, the Lord your banner, I'll go before you into battle, the Lord your healer, the Lord your Jehovah Jireh, the Lord your provider. And so we, we get all that. What does he get? And then this theologian, Brother Carlos, says, well, he gets access into the world. So our hands can become his hands. And so when you move into a place, then God can bless people because you've walked in there. And so, um, because God gave license to man to rule and reign on the earth, you can't just rescind that at a whim. So he made covenant. The sovereign God is no less sovereign. Okay? You can be sovereign and decide to delegate. You understand that? Anyone with kids knows that. All right? Anyone with employee knows that. You're sovereign, you're the boss, but you delegate. And so he delegated authority. In one sense, when Christ moved on the earth, he had Authority, as a, that Adam would have had. You understand? And so when he spoke to things, and this was Adam had that authority. And he felt that Christ was sinless. Now this may seem like strange theology and I was, uh, <laughs> I was looking through um, there's a, a YouTube video it's called The Bible Project. Has anyone seen The Bible Project? It's really good videos. Look them up. They give a, a little few minutes summary of each uh, we've got this video that's coming up soon. Uh, we give a little summary of each um, book of the Bible, and it's really mainline theology. And uh, no. most of I, I just wanted to assure you, I'm confident in myself. I I really don't like to teach anything. I'm not hundred percent sure it's my idea or two of it. But this is mainline uh, evangelical theology about covenants. And when you, he's worded some things differently, but I want you to notice that he talks about man creating <laughs> to bring God's nature into the earth and how that fell and how that God had to make covenant then to move through man. It's a shame anyways. I mean, uh, the study of theology, real theology, it, it should be exciting. It should change your life. And it's, it, it's, it's, a tr- it's true, isn't it? And you would know that the church sits on such amazing truths that we haven't woken up to. And not that we want to feel condemned, but so we understand there's so much more in God. Amen. And to understand covenant, to understand what he laid down so that we could use his name, his authority, his promises not in our strength but anyway i just if we can just run that video with plenty of volume just to show the
1: idea of having a personal relationship with god which could mean different things in the bible like having god as a friend or your father or maybe your teacher. But there's one particular way that the Bible talks about this relationship that you find all over. But strangely, we don't talk about it that much. And that's the idea of a partnership with God. A partnership like working alongside someone to accomplish a goal together. Right. And this is actually what you see at the beginning of the Bible. God creates this good world full of all of this potential. And then God appoints these unique creatures, humans, as his partners in bringing more and more goodness out of all that potential. (laughs) But the humans don't want to partner with God. They rebel and try to create a world on their own terms. And so this broken partnership is the Bible's explanation for why we're stuck in a world of corruption and injustice and the tragedy of death. It's not like there's just one or two humans who have bailed on this relationship. In the story of the Bible, everyone has abandoned the partnership with God. So what God does is select a smaller group of people out of the many. And he makes a new partnership with them called a covenant. And in a covenant, God makes promises and then in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments. And the purpose of all of this is to somehow use this covenant relationship to renew his partnership with everybody else. The next time we see God make a covenant is with a man named Abraham. God chooses him, promises to bless him, give him a large family, lots of land where they can flourish. And in return, God asks Abraham to trust him and train up his family to do what is right and just. And the whole reason for this covenant is God says that somehow he's going to bring his blessing to all families of the world through this one family. So that's Abraham. The next time we see God make a covenant is when Abraham's family grows into the tribe of Israel. And this covenant is with the whole tribe. God asks them to obey a set of laws, which are these guidelines for living well as a community of God's partners. And if they do this, then God promises to bless them and that they will become a people who then represent him to the rest of humanity. But here's what happens. Israel breaks the covenant. They worship other gods, they allow horrible injustice, and so they lose their land and are forced off into exile. So it seems hopeless. But during this time, Israel's prophets talked about a day when God would restore these covenants in spite of Israel's failure, somehow. Yeah, they called it the new covenant. And this is actually what's so interesting about Jesus, is that he's introduced into this story as the one who fulfills all of these covenant relationships. We're told that he's from the family of Abraham, and so he will bring the blessings of that family to the whole world. We're told that he's the faithful Israelite who was able to truly obey the law. And we're told that he's the king from the line of David. And so he goes about extending God's kingdom of justice and peace to all. And that's really remarkable for one guy. Yeah. And what it highlights is perhaps the most surprising claim of all made about this man. That Jesus is no mere human, but rather God becomes human. And God did this in order to be that faithful covenant partner that we are all made to be but a failure to yeah, do And so through things. Jesus, God has opened up a way yeah. for anyone. Just to run it for another second or so. And to be in a renewed partnership with him. So Jesus calls people to follow him and become part of this new covenant family. And despite their failures, Jesus is committed to making them in. Thank you, praise God. So uh,
0: it's quite mainline theology what we're talking about, but the implications are amazing. Um, I find it interesting that in Genesis, when, when God's speaking to Adam and he says, the seed of the woman will crush your head. And of course, uh, Jesus only had the seed of the woman. right? The Holy Spirit uh, was an Immaculate Conception. And so God was fulfilling this covenant that he made with Adam and Eve, that their, their seed, Eve's seed, is going to crush them. The other thing I find interesting, and it kind of understates it there in some ways, but... The exchange in the covenant is His strength for our strength, and His righteousness for our sin, and His name for our name. My name, Grant, that and two dollars will buy you a Coke. But the name of Jesus and two dollars will buy you a lot. All right. And so we have, we needed, a God needed a covenant that was fit for purpose, but he was dealing with imperfect people. So he needed to bring things to pass so that he could have a person on the earth who was without sin, who could fulfill that existing old covenant and bring in the new covenant. Now we're used to this idea of preliminary contracts because we do it. You know, you're buying a house, you sign preliminary contract that gives you a couple of weeks to go and see if there's anything wrong and and get your finance together and then the new contract the actual contract where you get the house is full is is fulfilled Uh, I've got some shares in a company that so just few shares, not many. a company in in, uh, Angola which is um, getting fertilized out of the ground to, to supply the farmers in Angola and they have a, a memorandum of understanding contract uh, which uh, is a contract they've signed as preliminary contract and they've got another one with another company which is a, 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 a contract to buy the fertilizer after they've built the factory so the old covenant was uh, it was never designed to bring us to God It was designed to protect people. It was designed to show people how inadequate they were. That's the law. You know, the law is a standard of behavior. But the Bible says in Galatians that its design is to show you how inadequate you are. If you want to get to God on your works. All right. And uh, it's... um, it's interesting because uh, these provision, you know, it, it was a the old covenant was a type or a template of the real thing. Now we've been delighted to have our kids staying in at Sunday school, good. So that's a uh, Adelaide and Elias we've had with us uh, for the week, and and uh, because Linda and I, well mainly me, I've got a uh, preferred grandparents strategy. all <laughs> grandparents know it's all competition. It's an un- often it's unsaid. Yeah, but it's a competition. Can anyone say I'm in? <laughs> uh, so you know, I buy all these things. You know, not enough to spoil, them, right? Well, not chocolate, but little things. Like uh, I bought a little remote car, two little remote cars. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? and then I got this train set. You know, you lay out the wooden things and 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 you know it goes. I got this. There's like hundreds of meters of it. You know, and a uh, little Elias especially loves building things. So he connects all these things and there's hours of fun, you know, on on, on this train set. But who knows that the train set is not the real thing. (laughs) It's not. And you'd be worried in years to come when he's 20 or 30 and he goes out to work and he starts putting together this little train set. And yet so many of us and many in the church want to live under old covenant laws and old covenant rules. Yeah. All right. That is not to say the, the Old Testament the the Ten Commandments they're righteous they're true and 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 now that we're off grace living out of grace we've got strength to to walk in love and you know who knows if you walk in love you, you're not going to lie or steal who knows that yeah all right but the Old Covenant uh, and was a type of shadow of what's to come we are not to put ourselves under the Old Covenant We're not to receive the condemnation of the law. We'll talk more about that. The full covenant is the new covenant, but I'll talk more. In Leviticus chapter 16, if you've got, you won't really blow your mind. You can, uh, I won't, I won't go there now, but it talks about the setup of the temple and the offering that the priest was supposed to take. Now, there was a tabernacle in it while they were in the wilderness, and, and there was a temporary tent, which was a tabernacle or a tent, and God gave Moses the design of the tabernacle when Moses was up on the mountain getting Ten Commandments. And so God said to make the tabernacle in the wilderness to that design. Then later, it was on David's heart to build a temple, and his son Solomon, King Solomon, built the, the physical uh, um, temple by the same design. But when you look at the design of the tabernacle, um, it's designed to show how holy God is and how inaccessible or our inability to come to him by anything we do. And so um, I've heard some theologians. Who's the guy that wrote uh, What's So Amazing About Grace? Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey. Philip Yancey talks about... uh, How a lot of these things, he he was sure that this has been written in there just to trip people up. You think you're being perfect, and there's just another thing you have to do. Just so that the Bible says the law was there to frustrate us. And so, this Old Testament tabernacle was set up, and uh, in the temple, there was an area that the Gentiles could be in, and then there was the area that the women could be in. And then the men wanted a bit of peace and quiet, so then they went into, into the other area. (laughs) <laughs> and it's not funny is it <laughs> and then there was a holy area and then the holy of holy areas and if you work back through it there's a huge a huge curtain that split the holy of holies to just the holies and in the temple it took many men or even i think there's oxen or whatever to pull it apart which it's just god saying you cannot come in unless i let you
1: yeah, yeah.
0: in the old testament with the offerings. You could not just walk in and give offerings. You had to come in when you were invited. In the New Testament, he says, anytime, baby, come, bold. <laughs> come boldly into my presence. It was a type, a, a, a shadow, but in the New Testament, of course, you know, when Jesus died, that was rent. It was rent to give us access. And then to see, so once a year was a day of atonement. Now you could come and give sacrifice. You know, if you had a good conscience, you give a bit of a sacrifice during the year. But every year there was a, a day of atonement, day of Passover during the Passover festival, day of atonement. And the high priest was appointed high priest for that um, for that year. He first of all he had to wash himself, so he could wash himself in immersion, and then he had to get a bull and offer that bull as a sacrifice for himself. Because if he had not offered that sacrifice for himself, and when he goes to offer the sacrifice for the people, it would be an unrighteous person, unrighteously going before God. You can't go before God. You don't want to go before God if you're not righteous. And then the people would bring goats and bulls, and two goats would be picked. You'd have to pick two goats for them. A bull would be slain for them. There was um, there was a sin offering, uh, there was a um, a bird offering, and there was a toning offering, all for slightly different reasons. And it was very complicated. I'm sure there was. You reckon your, your to do list for setting up the church is complicated? <laughs> <laughs> you should see the to do list. There was on the wall. They used to pin it to the wall of the temple. This long list, everything you had to do in order they actually had it in Leviticus Had you go through it so then he would offered, so one, he'd go in and he'd go in before the Holy of Holies when he was ready and he had burning incense in front of him like this and go in like this so that the smoke would go up so that he wouldn't look upon the presence of God because he was not worthy to look upon the presence of God and the smoke would go up like this, they'd tie an ankle around his on his leg rope Put bells on his thing, so if he fell, they'd hear him fall and pull him out. So go in and put the smoke, because you want to look at God like that, and come back. And then he slay one one goat. Well, they drew lots for the goats. There was two goats, right? And where they drew lots, and some some people say there was a two stones, a black stone and a white one. Which which goat was going to be? And which goat was going to be the scapegoat and let go? And you could just imagine the conversation between the goats.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're going
0: Heads or tails, yeah. So, one goat then was sacrificed for the people. And this was the sin offering. Throat was slit, blood was collected. Because that is the punishment. That is the consequence, is another way of saying it, for sin is death. Right. And so the, the blood of that goat would be carried in into the temple. The smoke was coming up, but he knew the Ark of the Covenant. So, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, that's where the Ten Commandments were kept. And there were two gold cherubs that uh, led over it like that and protected it. And God's presence was above the Ark of the Covenant, but he wasn't allowed to look at it. So go in, there was smoke coming up and with his finger, he'd dip it in blood and he'd sprinkle it seven times. Over the Ark of the Covenant, before he could offer—that was before he could offer the sacrifice. Then he brought in the sacrifice, and that wasn't enough, because that was just uh, paying their penance before God, right? But then they went back and they laid—he laid his hands on this other goat, the scapegoat—and they addressed the goat with all the sins of the people. Spoken all the things that have been done wrong that year. And then the goat was taken out and it became a scapegoat. Now most theologians, many theologians will say that it was to give that, that that goat grace, but I don't know that it was because in Jesus' time they actually took that goat and they threw it over the cliff to make sure it died. <laughs>
1: this
0: is this is one thing where it's saying if this is me, I'm not necessarily mainline thought, I think actually the scapegoat was let go in the wilderness. But it's like us on our own with our sins facing Satan. Let's see what happens. Just as lions and wolves in the wilderness. And the other reason I think that is because in Jesus' time they actually made sure that the scapegoat had died, they threw it over cliffs. And all these things showed our in, of the old covenant showed our inability or our lack of right to come before God. You never could be good enough to come before God. But the Bible says the blood of lambs atoned. Now atone means to cover. So God looked at that and that covering protected them in lieu of the blood of Jesus that Jesus was going to offer. Now the new covenant is very different because in the new covenant you understand at at the crucifixion and at the resurrection there are two different events one was the fulfillment of the old covenant when Jesus said it was finished probably was saying the old covenant the sacrificial system was finished (coughs) we had a perfect man a sinless man See, these sheep and goats, they had to be without any stain. They had to be without any, any, anything wrong with them at all. That's it. And, and so the perfect man laid down his life for us. And in this covenant, in the old covenant, when that covenant was fulfilled, every sin that we ever thought of doing, wanted to do but didn't do, did, repeated over and over again. one of every person that sin and the consequences of that sin was laid upon him. In fact, the Bible goes as far as to say that Jesus became sin. Now that might, I don't know what that does with your theology, that's just what the Bible says. He became sin. it was placed upon him. All the curses for breaking the covenant was placed upon Jesus. Spiritual death, physical death, uh, emotional pain, physical pain and suffering. they are all placed upon him at the cross. An be appropriate. have some music there) <laughs> We do not know the agony that he suffered so much more than just the agony of crucifixion. He knew what was coming, which is why he sweated blood. But then, but then, it doesn't end on Friday. Because we still needed access to God. The old covenant wasn't going to work because, because that was just paying for Adam's sins. But now he rose a new type of man. That's why it says in the uh, Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new species, a new type of person, a new spiritual identity, a new class of being. The word means actual new, never seen before, species which was Christ, risen. And the Bible says he is the first risen amongst many. Where? The many. And so he took this covenant, this blood, his blood, and he said, now this is the new covenant. Now understand, in heaven, there is, in God's presence, uh, what was on earth was a replica of what's in heaven, a holy of holies. And this perfect man, God-man, took perfect blood, his blood, into God's presence and offered it for us. Offered it for us. And he established what the Bible calls the new covenant. It's new and it's better Because the Old Covenant never dealt with sin, it just covered it. The New Covenant deals with sin. The old people, they had sin nature in them. We have the nature of Christ, our spirit's born again. We have the nature of God in us now, a new creation. We have the life of God in us. By nature, we are not sinners. We were sinners saved by grace. By now, we're new creations, all right? Made in the same image as Jesus. This new covenant now, instead of only come before God once a week and do that cowering, the Bible says, come boldly, come boldly into his presence. Come boldly. The Bible says the old covenant couldn't do with sin consciousness. The new covenant deals with sin consciousness. We are made the righteousness of God In Christ Jesus that John says in John he said even if your conscience is bothering you don't believe it because God's greater than it as in you know if you've repented and come before God you're made righteous the new covenant the old covenant had to be you did something wrong you had to go and give a new sacrifice the new covenant you just claim the blood of Jesus his blood was shed for me I'm washed the New Covenant once a year, everyone came in. They'd listen to see. They'd listen to in case the high priest tingle tingle dropped drop dead. Just then they have to pull up. Who's next on the list? <laughs> Not me. It's him. <laughs> yeah. the new covenant, a righteous, a righteous high priest has gone in. For for us. And he understands that us. The Bible says he is tempted just like you. Just like you. Just like you. He never gets tempted, so.
1: But just like
0: you, Chrissy. Alright? Yes. And he understands what it's like, though he was without sin. So he comes on out and presents our case before God. The new covenant is so much better than the old covenant because we're made righteous and we learn what it means to be righteous and we learn what it means to walk in the righteousness that God has given us. And to use, the Bible, you notice the Bible says, our, our joy does nothing but the joy of the Lord gives strength. You know the Bible never expects you to face any challenges on your strength. It says, it says that to, to use God's strength, to use his weapons, to use his armor, to use his name. But we're now in Christ. Them out there, poor people, are in Adam. We are in Christ. We are the new creation. The Bible says the angels were befuddled by it. They were amazed by it. We're in Christ. And now the Bible says, come boldly. Come boldly. God says to come boldly. When we go in whimpering and whining, we're insulting God. We're insulting the blood of Jesus. We're denying what he did on the cross. I know we don't feel like it sometimes, but we just got to stand up. Sometimes the Bible says, put on Christ. Put him on. I am what God says I am. This new covenant is so much better than your covenant. We can hold it. I, I know you've sinned, you know I've sinned, just ask Linda, all right? I know that, but, but we're no longer, that was paid for, we've been made right before God. I don't like this feeling, this, this expression, oh, they deserve this, or, they deserve You see it in advertising, last 10 years or so all the time, oh, they deserve this, I don't, I don't like those ads because who knows, I don't want what I deserve.
1: Yeah.
0: Never go before God and say, I deserve this. Oh, no. Right. <laughs> don't do that. Let's just, go, just go back. You'll be falling down dead in his presence. They'll be dragging you out. You don't want what you deserve. Yeah. You want what Jesus bought for you. <laughs> yes. All right? And that scapegoat that goes into the wilderness, the devils will access accessed him, probably knocked him around, sent a few wolves. Imagine the torment that's, you know, that he was made the scapegoat for us. Our sins were laid on him. It's an insult that we need to walk out of here today, our chest, shoulders pulled back, our chest sticking out, our chin down like that. Say, I am the righteousness of God. I am the righteousness of God. I'm under this new covenant. I don't believe the Bible says that Satan's the accuser of the brethren. We overcome him what? with the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Have the blood over us. This is, a new, this is a new and better covenant that we have. Covenant of promise. And when we read the Bible now, home. you read the Bible, especially the New Testament, read it with a view of this covenant that God made with you. What he paid for that covenant so that you can have his righteousness. The Bible says we are the righteousness of God. in Christ
1: Jesus.
0: That little picture they had in that cartoon, with the perfect man paying a price and then pulling, all those people that came in to him, then they're in Christ. We're in Christ. This new covenant is our covenant. We're in Christ. Made righteous. And we've got to tell our mind to shut up sometimes. You know that? you just got to tell it. Speak to it. Don't receive condemnation. I mean if you're sincere, you're not faking it, you're sincere.
1: You're
0: not pretending to be anything, you're not. You are made righteous. Hallelujah. Praise God. Whenever we ask for something of God, don't go begging. Don't go begging. Go boldly. Whenever you've asked something that he's promised you, don't say, well, I've been doing this. No, go boldly. As if it was Jesus himself asking for it. Change the way we pray, amen? Change our prayer life, the way we read our Bible. Praise God. Well, let's stand up.